This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. When I was working on my Master's of Divinity in Louisville, Kentucky at Southern Seminary, I was taking the class Greek, and it was not easy. The New Testament was written in Greek, and uh, uh, it was not easy as an understatement. That's an, it was really hard, and I was not the top of the class. You know how I'm feeling? Anybody? Anybody know how it feels to not be the top of the class? I'm pretty sure I was the bottom of the class, and, uh, but I had to pass because I had to come preach the word to you. I had to be able to open it up and explain it and it makes sense and it be accurate. God had called me so I had to bring the word but I was struggling and so at the, on the seminary campus, the seminary campus was here and they had an undergraduate over here called Boyce College and so Boyce College classes went a little slower than the seminary classes did. So the seminary classes were master's level classes, and the college level classes were just undergraduate classes. And so I was, I was struggling so bad that I would go and sit in on the college classes to try to catch up on the master's classes. I was on the struggle bus. And, and I, remember, I remember there was one day, it was raining so bad. Like, you know the heavy rain that like it hits you and you're like, is that hail? No, that's rain. <laughs> but it's like the hard, heavy rain, you know. It was coming down. It was hitting hard. And I knew that there was a class over there, down the valley, up the hill, embarrass myself, this master's student, and go in and sit in the college class so that I could try to get it. And I got the umbrella, and I walked through, walked down, up the hill, embarrassed myself, in the umbrella, shaking off the wet, and you sit down in the class. Can I just tell you, I was really tempted just to give up. Just to give up, just to throw in the towel. We talked about this last week. If you're with us last week, we saw the context of Ephesians 3, where Paul is reminding the Christians of certain special things about who God is and about what God has done. And he's reminding them these things so that they would not lose heart. So there in Ephesians 3, in verse 13, Paul says, I'm telling you everything that I'm telling you so that you don't lose heart, so that you don't quit, so you don't throw in the towel. Well, I'm not the only one that's been tempted to throw in the towel on something, am I? Some of you here, you've been tempted to throw in the towel on your marriage. Some of you have been tempted to throw in the towel on your school. You've been tempted to throw in the towel on your job. You've been tempted to throw in the towel on a friendship. You've been tempted to throw in the towel on, on, on something. It's, it's kind of a common human experience, isn't it? We get, we get into something and we don't know if it's worth it. We get discouraged. We get overwhelmed. We have unfulfilled expectations and we're tempted to quit. We're, we're tempted to lose heart, to grow discouraged. And Paul was writing not about our marriages and not about our schoolwork and not about our job, but Paul was writing about the church. When you look at the end of chapter 2, you see that Paul is describing God building his church with Jews and Gentiles. And, and Paul is marveling at it. 
He, he, he calls it a mystery because it was hidden. And now it's being made known, this mystery that God is for everybody, not just the Jews. Hallelujah, God is for everybody, not just the Jews. And so Paul's writing and he's saying, my efforts are to build the church. That's what God is doing so that we're all unified. That's a theme in chapter 2, the unity of the church, Jews and Gentiles together. And then in, in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, for this reason, what reason? For the building up of the church, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles. So everything following in verses 1, 2, 3 and following, he, he's writing so to strengthen the church, so to establish the church. The church was the goal of the mission. Jesus gave the mission, go and make disciples. But disciples weren't just the goal. The goal was the family, the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. Messed up <laughs> with all of our warts as we are. That was the goal. In, in, indeed, what we saw last week, check this out. What we saw last, if you missed it last week, what we saw is that Paul was saying, the church is so marvelous and God building the church is so wondrous that the rulers in the heavenly realm watch with eagerness to see God do his thing in building the church. Here's the problem. The problem was Paul, this leader of the church, is now in jail. So it's like any new movement, right? And the leader gets thrown in jail. <laughs> You're like, what's going on? Derailed. <laughs> Balloon deflated. This thing's not going to advance as God intended to it because the leader that he chose to proclaim the gospel and to plant churches, he's now in jail. So what's going to happen? Well, here's what Paul didn't want to happen. He didn't want the Christians, the early Christians, he didn't want them to lose heart. To lose heart in what? To lose heart in their faith. To lose heart in investing in the church. To lose heart in believing that God was going to continue to do his thing even though Paul was in jail. He didn't want them to grow discouraged that the mission of God was going to be fulfilled. And so that's why, that's why he was writing here in chapter 3. All the verses that we covered last week, and then we pick up in verses 4 through 19. And so, so look at this with me. Verses 4 through 19. 14. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Teamwork. We'll make the dream work. I told you I struggled at Greek. Evidently English too, right? Verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Okay, let's just pause there. For what reason? For, for what reason? Look back at verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. So his willingness to suffer for them, listen, his willingness to suffer for them showed them that they were worth it. He said, church, you're worth it, me being thrown in jail for. It's your glory. That's what he meant by it's your glory. He said, so I ask you don't lose heart. So now he says, for this reason, what reason? That you don't lose heart. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What is he doing? He's praying on his knees, just like we did this morning. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He just wanted to get it straight who he's talking to. The God of the nations of the world. 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Church, would you pray with me? Father, would you speak through your sacred scriptures to us, your children, this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you last week that I pushed out on my Instagram last week, um, just a question of what causes you to lose heart in your faith? What causes you to lose heart in the, in the church? And there's all kinds of things that cause us to be discouraged. All kinds of things. COVID was a huge one, right? Like, everybody goes home. They start watching church in their PJs or they don't watch church in their PJs. And then then COVID kind of begins to kind of settle down and we all come back. No, we don't all come back. Probably everybody here knows somebody that hasn't yet come back to gather with God's people in person. Something disrupted their rhythm and they've not returned to their faith. They've not returned to worship with God's people. It's all kinds of things. A leader letting you down? That person that invested in you, that you held on the pedestal, falling, and it just kind of disillusions you spiritually? It's easy to lose hope. It's easy to lose heart. So what do we do? Well, last week Paul gave us theology to say, here's how you don't lose hope. Understand these things. And now he's praying. He's like, I'm, I'm, now I'm going to pray that you don't lose hope. Pray that you don't lose heart. And most of us would go, yeah, exactly, that's what we do. You've got a friend that's losing heart, let's pray for them. You've got a friend that's discouraged with faith and church and they just don't know what they believe, let's pray for them. But here's why we don't pray for them often is we don't know what to pray. We know prayer's the answer, but we just feel like we just kind of say the same things over and over again. And we don't have confidence in our prayers because we don't know what to pray for people that are on the verge of losing heart. But Paul makes it really clear. He makes it really easy. He breaks it down really simply. And Paul gives us here three things to pray. And I want you to see this. Uh, Look at verse uh, 14 through 16. Let's just kind of pick it up in context again. He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. What reason? So they wouldn't lose hope. They wouldn't lose heart from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. In other words, the one that we're talking to is a mighty God. (laughs) And then verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now there's a lot there and I want you to pay attention to get this. He says that according to his riches, the riches of his glory. Friends, we could preach a whole sermon series A six-week sermon series on the phrase, the riches of God's glory. God is infinitely wise. God is perfectly loving. God is holy. He's altogether different than us. The seraphim around the throne of God was saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Listen, if you're not amazed at God, it's not because there's a problem with him. It's it's with our ability to comprehend who he is. It's with the numbness of our heart. It's with being carried around by the flesh. It's being 
allured and deceived by the devil, the one that hates us and wants to destroy us. Listen, God is described here as one who has the riches of his glory. We all long for glory. You see it in every, like, every major sporting event ever. People pack stands. They identify themselves with certain jerseys and teams because they want to be a part of something that's winning, something that's succeeding, something that transcends daily grind and daily life. Dear friends, listen, the glory of God is what we were made for. We were made to reflect it. We were made to enjoy it. We were made to seek it and understand it. And it is inexhaustible. So when Paul prays, that according to the riches of God's glory, he's saying unending supply of something beyond our comprehension. Glory is much easier to describe than to define. So he says that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened. Anybody need to be strengthened this morning? To be strengthened with power through his spirit, in your inner being. Now, when we try to begin to imagine that, we we can go down all sorts of pathways. What does it mean to be strengthened with power in my inner being? What does that mean? Well, this is a very spiritual, transcendent, even otherworldly experience. And how does God do this? Listen, he doesn't put us in a spiritual trance. He doesn't put us in some sort of spiritual hypnosis state. We don't go to bed at night and wake up like we drank some strengthening spiritual potion that that kicks in while we were sleeping. That's not what God does. No, instead, this is where the Holy Spirit of God brings the promises of God to bear on our mind, our heart, emotions, and will. And we are thereby strengthened in our inner man or inner woman. Our understanding is expanding, expanded, our faith is stretched, and our will is influenced, and our resolve to live for Jesus is felt at the core. That's what it means to be strengthened in our inner man, in our inner woman. It's not this trance. It's the promises of God coming to bear upon our mind and heart and will by the Spirit's work in our life. That's what it means to be strengthened. And every Christian needs to be strengthened, not just those that are in the moment being tempted to lose heart. We all need to be strengthened, don't we? So here we see um, three prayers uh, to help us to keep going. And the first one is this, strength for faith. Strength for faith. Look at this with me in verse 14. We'll just pick it up again, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Listen, let me just pause there. Fathers, this is what you can pray for your children. Husbands, this is what you can pray for your wives. Community group leaders, this is what you can pray for those in your community group. This is what you can pray for your pastors, and this is what you can ask your pastors to pray for you. What? Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you being rooted and grounded in love, that, that, you may, that, your, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Listen, people attend real life all the time that are brand new to Christianity and they're just trying to figure things out. Can I just tell you, this is one of the basics of what it means to be a Christian. You put your faith in Jesus, faith in his life, he fulfilled God's law perfectly, faith in his death, he died the death that we all deserve to die. He stood in our place as our substitute on the cross, he died for us, he rose victoriously from the grave and we put our faith in him that he'll save us, we don't have to save ourselves. That he saved us through his life, we don't have to save ourselves through our good works, we could never save us. We're bankrupt in our own good works, Jesus alone is good, he alone can save us. We put our faith in Jesus, and he comes to live inside our heart. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means. And Paul's praying that these Christians wouldn't forget the basics and that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit by their faith in him and that their faith would be strengthened. Can I just tell you, some of the strongest Christians that I know hit seasons where they struggle in their faith. They struggle to believe the basic things. They've walked for years with God. They've read the Bible. They've taught Bible studies. They've sang the songs. They've gone on mission trips. And they wake up one day and they find themselves struggling to believe the basics of the faith. And that's why Paul says, I'm praying this for you. I'm I'm praying that you would not miss, forget, or move on from the basics. That your faith would be in Jesus and he would dwell in you. So he prays for strength for faith. And then he prays for strength for understanding Look at this with me. He says, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. So, so what is he saying there? He's saying, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length in height, in depth, what? The length, breadth, height, width, depth of what? Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ. So he's saying, I want you to have strength to comprehend, strength to understand how wide his love is, how deep his love is, how high his love is. That's what he's wanting us to understand. But this phrase was so curious to me, what about comprehension requires strength? And then I thought, my Greek class, right, <laughs> you know, like that required a lot of strength to comp- comprehend. So how does comprehension require strength? Imagine a kid at school who gives up on his schoolwork because it's just too difficult. Imagine someone training for a new job and they choose to quit the job during training because they were unwilling or unable to engage their mind in such a way so as to understand the material or system. You may say they got lazy. A teacher might say they, were, they weren't willing to put in the work. They quit when it got hard. Paul is praying that we wouldn't stop at a shallow or surface level understanding of God's love. But that we would be strengthened to go deep in our understanding. That we won't quit. That we won't get lazy. That we won't be content with just being saved. But that we will be strong to grow in our understanding in what is, in what is it that he wants us to understand God's love, God's love. You you may be here this morning, you may think, well, I'm just like a simple-minded person. And can I just say thank you for being you? (laughs) 
Like you embody childlike faith that Jesus says is required to inherit the kingdom of God. But don't let a simple way of thinking keep you from going deep into the things of God. Don't don't let a simple faith that you're content with think that God doesn't want to stretch and grow and deepen. No, Paul says, look at it it with me in in verse 18, that they may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. In other words, it's, listen, the understanding that God wants us to have, the depth of understanding, it doesn't come easily. It requires strength to engage the muscle of our faith and mind and heart to understand how deep and how wide and how high his love is. Indeed, it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual activity, isn't it? To understand God's love. It's not just a mental ascent, it's a spiritual activity. In other words, Paul is not saying, I just want you to intellectually acknowledge that God has big love. Now that that leads us to the next thing, look at this with me. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What does it mean to know the love of Christ? Well, when God made Adam and Eve <laughs> in, the, in the first human beings, they, the Bible uses the term that they knew one another to describe their intimate physical union. And so now he uses this same phrase to describe, the, to describe this radical, intimate experience of God's love. So, so God doesn't just want us to intellectually understand his love. He wants us to experience his love. Now, some of you are afraid of that term this morning. Because to experience God somehow makes you not in control, doesn't it? Because you can't control God. But can I just tell you, this is what Paul was praying for these Christians, that they would experience God's love. Listen, sometimes God's love breaks us. (laughs) Sometimes, Sometimes when God touches you with his love, You felt so unlovable, you've run from him for so long that when you experience his love by his Holy Spirit, you're broken and you begin to weep uncontrollably. That's what happens when you experience God's love. That's why we pray it. God, manifest your presence in this place. Pour out your love upon men and women, boys and girls. Break us and heal us with your love. That's what he does with his love. He breaks us with his love and he heals us with his love. And sometimes it happens all in the same moment. Don't be afraid of encountering the love of God. Don't be afraid of experiencing the love of God. It's what Paul prayed for these Christians and it's what we ought to pray for one another. That we would have faith, that we would understand his love, and that we would experience his love. Have you experienced his love lately? That's what God wants. I, um, I think I have a picture of like the ocean. And as, I, as we think about the breadth and the height and the depth of God's love, I just want to ask you, what ocean have you swam in? How many of you have swam in five of these oceans? Anybody five? I did a funeral yesterday. I did a funeral yesterday for a man that, that visited all seven continents. <laughs> Anybody swam in five of these oceans? Nobody? Yes? No? Four? Anybody swam in four of these oceans? Come on, come on, raise it, raise a prayer. Look at this. We're all so jealous of you. We're repenting right now, asking for forgiveness of our envy. You just world travelers, right? I see you, right? Four of those oceans. But nobody is swimming five. 
And when you swim in the ocean, you really don't go that deep, do you? Yeah, okay, the submarine or church planter said, oh, yeah, we go pretty deep. Scary. I think about God's love when Paul says, I pray that you would know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth. I just, like, my mind goes to the ocean. And I just think, man, like, I've swam in the Gulf of Mexico, <laughs> you know? Like, maybe somewhere else, but not much. Dear friends, listen, God's invitation to you and me is to take a deep dive in his love and to try to exhaust the inexhaustible ocean of his love. And that's what it's like. It's like an inexhaustible ocean. I think, Pastor, I, I just feel so unlovable. Um, well, put your faith in Jesus and experience his love today. I, uh, you guys hang stockings? Somebody's going to email me and say, that's a pagan holiday, you know. It's like, all right, well, we're hanging stockings at the White House, all right. Um, and uh, I, I kind of wish we had bigger stockings, you know what I mean? Like I had a friend that had like a three-foot-tall stocking growing up, and I was always like, why don't we have stockings that big? Um, at your house, do you guys go around like feeling if there's anything in there before Christmas? Do you guys do that? You know, I, I always do that. Is there anything? There's never anything, you know. 220 Longwood Lane. It's my address. Susan will let you in. It's not that big. Diamonds will go in there, right? <laughs> um, you know, the, you know, part of the glory of Christmas morning for me is seeing what's overflowing out of the stocking. You, you just had like all these weeks, and it's just hanging there. There's nothing there. It's just like boring, boring, you know. I go feel it. There's nothing there yet. Boring, right? Right? And then I come in Christmas morning, and there's something hanging out of it. And I'm like, that's this is exciting. I want to see what's in there. And I want to see what's under that. I want to see what's under that. I want to see what's under that. And Paul's praying. And look at this. Don't miss this. This is the last verse here. And he says, I'm praying that you might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's, that's really the big picture purpose of Christmas, isn't it? Can I, can I just tell you, until you're filled with the fullness of God, boring. And, and, it, and it's like this morning, we just want to go up to your life and say, is there spiritual life there? Is there anything in the, is there anything there? Because it's a pretty sad state when there's nothing there. But when you open your heart to Jesus, he begins to fill it with this spirit. <laughs> with the inexhaustible riches of his glory. And then it starts overflowing with the fullness of God. And people start saying things like, you're different. What happened to you? What, what's going on? It's God. Lord Jesus, his inexhaustible, glorious riches, he's filling me with his spirit. He's filling me with his spirit. So, so Christmas morning, when you go to the stockings, would you just remember... Paul's praying that we might have faith, that we might understand his love, that we might experience his love so that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. And before you go digging into your stocking, would you just stand back and look at it and listen to the spirit of God say, I want to fill you and I want to overflow you with the fullness of me. Would you do that, church?
Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your great love. Oh, Lord, so undeserving we are, and yet you've lavished it upon us. Would you help us to be strong? Help us to understand. Help us to experience your love this Christmas season. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.